Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm Amy Stevenson. My guest today is Trolls Dahlberg, who knows all about the Shetland ponies. They're so cute and fluffy and we see them on TV and we just think, oh, are they going to be our new best friend? Well, Trolls is here to explain all about the Shetland pony breed and their personalities. What are they really like? He's also written a book called Shetland Ponies and he'll explain all about it. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. When I do these podcasts, I, I like us to learn as much as we can. And today we're talking about the Shetland breed. And my guest is Trolls Dahlberg. He lives just outside Copenhagen and he's written the most fabulous book on Shetland ponies. How are you, Trolls? Hello. Hello, Amy. I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We haven't done enough on breeds. We've talked about a few breeds on the Horse Hour podcast, but um, the Shetlands is one of my personal favourites. They have a, a great little personality and I'm really looking forward to finding out more. Well, first of all, what's your background? Have you owned horses yourself? Yeah, well, my background is I'm, I'm 53 years of age, so I'm a fairly mature person. And um, I started uh, riding when I was 10 years of age got involved with actually bigger ponies from the beginning. And then uh, in 1988, I, uh, my wife and I acquired our first Shetland ponies. And oh. we, we, never, we never looked back, so to speak. So we have had them for some 28, 29 years now, and they are fabulous little creatures. <laughs> How did you end up getting your first Shetland? What made you buy them? Well, it was, uh, I always say, if you really have a, a soft heart for any horse, and you get to know a Shetland pony, you you cannot help but become very fascinated. They are extremely smart, intelligent little ponies, and they just make you smile all the time. The, the real reason was that I went to a big horse show here in Denmark, and there was a chap from Germany, and this was in 87 or 88, and he uh, had a beautiful performance, uh, you know, long range, showing a pony doing, a Shetland pony doing Piaf and Passage and all these. And I, I said to my friends, oh, I, I got to have one of these. And <laughs> a week later, I, I got my first Shetland pony. I never got around to do all these tricks, but that is what started me off, so to speak. Oh, we, we quite often have a dream of being able to do tricks with our horses. And then, you know, work gets in the way, life gets in the way. And actually, uh, I was talking at that day with a friend of mine who's a very, very good dressage rider here in Denmark. And I said to him, but how, how will you teach him Piaf? And he said, oh, I'll put him on the cooker. And then when I, <laughs> the heat will make him do the Piaf, which I thought was horrible. But but anyway, they, they, are, they are wonderful little creatures. And, uh, you know, we, yeah, then we started off with having 
first little one and and they are very i mean if you get one you usually end up having quite a few more so charles i hope he was joking yeah, he was he was <laughs> he's a very nice guy so what have you done with your shetlands well i actually um, many of them are written uh, by small children not as much as i actually would love them to be but um, they quite quickly outgrow them of course and and quite a few of them can be driven also but uh, my wife and I have mostly shown them what you call in hand, where we take them to shows and uh, with the mayors and the and the stallions. We have assessments here in Denmark, so we've done quite a few shows in Denmark and many, quite a, many in Sweden and a few in Germany. And so showing is is what we have been done doing most with our ponies. That's the nice bit, isn't it? That's just making them look pretty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is a beauty contest, and they they look smart in in the ring, especially with the other breeds. You know, so very often they we end up in a interbreed competition, and um, it's 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 nice to walk with your little Shetland stallion among twenty other huge big stallions, and sometimes win a few prizes. It's it's quite <laughs> quite a lot of fun. When I've seen them at shows, they definitely get the attention because they're they're so little and and that they're, they're almost like fairy tale like, aren't they? You imagine them yeah. being in a book. Yeah, they are, and 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 that was that was also quite a bit the reason why I I wanted to write a book because even among people that supposed to know a lot about horses they they just think they're little fluffy uh, uh, things you know and they 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 tend to forget that they are probably one of the oldest and purest breeds of any horse uh, around nowadays and they have been we can trace them at least 2000 years back up at the Shetland Islands and uh, they have a fascinating story but as you know at least that's the case in Denmark a lot of people just think they're little horrible creatures <laughs> and move on to bigger ponies and they they deserve a bit of attention i think and they sure get it well the, the things that we hear about Shetlands being ridden is that they have small man syndrome and yeah. uh, they like to buck they like to bolt they like to yeah. run um, they're not particularly that friendly is that the case are they are they generally like that no they they are like in in many cases they're just misunderstood the the, the thing is that they are they're very docile they, they are really nice uh, they, they're actually from nature they have a good temperament otherwise they wouldn't have been around for that many years and the thing is if people are not paying attention and very knowledgeable they they throw up a small child on the back of a shetland pony a young pony and it seems to accept it and then they say oh now you can go riding, which is absolutely where disaster hits. Because like any other horse, they need to be trained properly. And, you know, they're not magicians. They don't, they don't know what to do. And, and if, you, if you let them off without basic training with a young child, they very, very quickly take over because they are extremely strong and they are very clever. I also write in my book, the dumb ones uh, died many thousands or many hundreds of years ago. <laughs> they are very, very smart. And um, But, you know, when people come and see my ponies, they very often ask, you know, oh, they are so well behaved. And I said, I don't treat them any different than if they were a big horse or a pony. They're, they're just the same. Mm. So if you really want to, you have to spend the time with them, then they are fantastic ponies. It's very easy, isn't it, to almost, we take into the, their size into account, the fact that yeah. they're so little, and we treat them like children, or we treat them like dogs, or, you know, because they're so small. And, and we forget that, that they have the same mental capacity of big horses and the same thoughts as big horses, and that kick can really hurt. Yeah, 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 and, and you're absolutely right, uh, Amy. Most people think, because they are nice and friendly uh, by nature, they, they think that um, that they, they are, treat them like pets, and, and they, they are absolutely like any other horse they need to know 
you know, the fundamentals and they need to be treated correctly. And um, then you end up having a fantastic pony. As I show in my book, there are, I mean, many, many nice pictures of little children having a brilliant time with these ponies. But these ponies have learned, have learned to be among uh, around people mm-hmm. like any other horse. If, if you took a big horse, any horse and, and treated it like some ponies are treated, you will end up having a disaster as well. So they, they are just a long way down the line. They're just misunderstood. But of course, they, you have all varieties. You have very nice and docile ponies and you have other ponies that are more you know, <laughs> hard minded mm. like any other horse. They, they're, they're no different. If, if people just understand and treat them like that, it would be perfect no problem so are they are they a good first pony then if they're handled in the right way or i i I think they are but but i mean the disaster is that people buy a a young let's say two or three year old uh, even a stallion and think oh that would be fine for my little child in a couple of years to ride and uh, and just let them run on their own with with the children i mean if if you have a small child and you have a desire to make them like horse riding then you should buy uh, an experienced pony <laughs> say 10 15 or even 20 years old that has some mileage and have done the work and are forgiving and will take a few you know troubles down the line and these ponies are are rare but but they they do exist and uh, i always say if you come across an old experienced pony with some mileage on the clock then that's that's a pony for you and your child. Don't don't buy a youngster that hasn't done anything unless the parents are experienced and um, and know how to 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 train it. But it will take just as long time as with any other horse. That can be anything from a couple of months to even a couple of years until you can ride it easily without any problem. There's no difference. Well, technically, a child being on a Shetland is like us being on a horse, you know, the same, the size difference. And, you know, if we're learning with our, I'm learning with my horse, I'm trying to teach him and I'm learning at the same time. It's difficult. It's not easy. And I make mistakes and he makes mistakes. And for children, it's going to be exactly the same because as an adult, you can't get on that Shetland pony and, and teach it, can you? No, th- and th- that is of course a, a big problem because we, we, it, it is most it is the child's first pony, and you you have an maybe an unexperienced uh, young pony with a, a child that has no knowledge of well, how should they? I mean, they are, could be five or six or seven years of age, and they are also learning. And so the combination of two without a lot of training trying to teach each other is it, it, bound for trouble Carnage. in many cases. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and uh, so sometimes I I will come across a young girl, let's say small size, which is, could be you know, or a young boy, um, could be you know, a 10, 11, 12 years, which have some knowledge, and these are are brilliant to teach the pony to ride, and and I've had I've had that opportunity a few times to find a youngster among children of some friends and you know sneak them in and then they can do it for one or two years and then they are too big you know mm. but it, it is it is it is a trouble it, it is a problem that's for sure so where did the breed shetland pony originally come from these it came from the shetland islands they they came from the beautiful most beautiful place on earth i think is the shetland islands and um, shetland islands are up in the north at the atlantic they are actually closer to norway than to most parts of scotland um they, and it used to belong to Denmark. <laughs> I say that like it's. Um, it was um, we had the good old Vikings, which and they traveled and moved up to Shetland around the uh, year 800, 850, and it remained under Danish ruling 
by the Vikings and la- later on the, in the Middle Ages until uh, 1469. In the year 1469, Denmark lost it. They, they were under Norwegian king, but the Norwegian king was in association and, and under the Danish king. So I always claimed the Shetland Islands were Danish, but they were actually <laughs> at least Scandinavian. And uh, in, in the year 1469, our King Christian I was uh, planning to get his daughter, Princess Margaret, engaged and married to uh, James III of Scotland. Hmm. And in those days, you had to pay a dowry, uh, some money to, for them to take the daughter. And uh, our King Christian I was absolutely short of cash. He had had too many wars and he's lost them all. So he was bankrupt. So um, he pawned uh, Orkney and Shetland Islands to the King of Scotland. Ah. And it, it, uh, the, we have a price tag. Uh, the contract is still in existence. It was signed in, in 1469. And the price was 8,000 gilden, which was the currency at that time, which is a couple of million uh, pounds. It, it, it was actually not a lot of money for the all of Shetland Islands. And the contract was actually very interesting because it says that in all future, the Danish king, any Danish king can pay the money and get the islands back. Oh, so really? Maybe one day we will cash it and we will get the islands back. <laughs> but it is 500 years ago. And actually, the Danish government have tried it a few times in the 17th and 18th century without much luck. So I, oh. I think I'm, I'm sad to say, but I think they re- will remain uh, Scottish. <laughs> so Scotland won't sell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, so for 500 years, it was uh, Danish. And for the last 500 years, it has been Scottish. Oh. But the, also the thing is, if, if you ask the people living up there and there's about... 25,000 uh, people living up there, 21,000, I think it is. They feel very much Scandinavian. And if you do genetic testing on the, on the inhabitants of the Shetland Islands, they are Scandinavian people. Mm-hmm. They are not Scottish uh, blood. They are Scandinavian and they are proud Vikings and they still have a lot of this culture up there. And um, so for Dane to come up there, it, it's fantastic. It's like meeting your brothers and uh, <laughs> And sisters, so uh, yeah, oh, how yeah. lovely! Oh, it's a shame. It's a shame Scotland don't sell. That's not fair. They should. But how did how did the Shetland ponies then end up leaving the Shetland Islands and being transported across the world? Yeah, that's of course another good story. In all fairness, we don't know a lot on the very very early history. Um, we know there has been Shetland ponies or very small ponies up there for the last two thousand years, probably two uh, two thousand five hundred years. Some claim, and it could be possible, that there has been ponies up there for the last eight or 10,000 years. But it depends a little bit on could they remain up there during and, and, and the ice ages and everything. And, and the scholars discuss this a lot. And I, bottom line is nobody really knows. But it, they have been there for the last 2,000 years. And the Vikings brought their ponies or horses along with them. We know that they always travel with their horses. And the Vikings didn't invade Shetland Islands. They, they moved up there, and also we know from genetic testing of the of the people living up there, that they moved up in, you can say, in equal proportions of male and female, because the genetics show that they, they was not just warriors coming up there and plundering and, and, and all that stuff. They, they actually immigrated up to there, bringing their, their wives and men and women and their livestock with them. So the ponies are mixed up with most likely 
what we also know today, like the Icelandic horses. And there's been some very interesting, and I mentioned that in the book also, some very interesting um, genetics uh, done on the various breeds. And they are very closely linked. The Fjord, Norwegian horse, the Icelandic horse, and all these breeds, they are more or less all connected. So the Vikings moved up there. And um, probably, we think, they mixed up these uh, imported horses and ponies into the local ponies. So that is how the Shetland pony was was founded, you can say. You have to understand, no breed of any kind of horses is this breed until we somebody say, now we call it the Shetland pony. Until yes. then, it was just a pony of all shapes and sizes up there. But as early as the 14th, 15th century, early, early Middle Ages, there was a lot of trading. Shetland was very international. The German traders and Dutch traders uh, travel up there every summer buying herrings by the thousands of tons. It was a fantastic trade. So Shetland was very international. And even in those days, in the in the round of year 1500, we know that some Dutch uh, fishermen brought back Shetland ponies from the Isles. Oh, really? They went riding on them, grown men. No. They're very, very strong. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and I mean, they, they, even today, they will carry a grown man. Of course, it looks a little bit ridiculous, <laughs> but, uh, but, but they are extremely strong. Just that their legs are short doesn't make them any weaker. And um, actually, we also know from the history books, and, and I spend a lot of time on the history in the, the, this book, which is 400 pages, so uh, wow. there's plenty of history in it. But uh, we know that the uh, the trading ships traveling up there in the summer, in the summer time from Holland, they always had um, a ship's doctor and he recommended the sailors having been on the ocean for weeks and weeks on end to go inland and go horse riding. So they became very fascinated. We have written evidence that they really were impressed with these small animals even five, six hundred years ago. So they, we know that they brought them back to Holland and Germany. So they started exporting these ponies 500 years ago. We know from the uh, mid-1800, there were exports both to United States and to Australia. So they, I mean, some almost 200 years ago, 150 years ago, they started moving out to the f- far corners of the world. So they are have been spread out. Now you can get them in nearly every country. Well, you, oh, can, you I, not, I not cannot remember any country where they are not present really what about what about the really hot countries though like africa brazil are they available there they are they are there are shetland ponies in south africa there are shetland ponies in japan uh in in the uh, arab states as early as also 1800 the pasha of egypt imported shetland ponies um we have a lot of records from at least from 1800 or mid-1850, we have a lot of records showing exports of ponies, uh, both to United States, Australia, how many numbers, how they travel, how many did not make the travel because it was, you know, a f- three or four months journey by ship to go to Australia. Mm. And there's a lot of records on that. Uh, very, very fascinating history. And um, for instance, in Australia, the Shetland ponies are doing extremely well. They are are really a lot of good Shetland ponies in Australia. What, but they're breeding then. You're saying they've got some that they've got a bit of the Icelandic horses in them. They come from quite a cold climate. Yeah. How would that impact on them going from that to a hot country when they've got their thick coats and? It surprises me also, but they they seem to thrive very well and they still get their winter coats. Of course, not as much uh, as. But you know the the. Uh, 
putting on the winter coats is is not affected and and they they i mean i i always joke a little bit about the the shetler ponies jumping around with kangaroos in australia <laughs> fighting poisonous snakes and all that but but they, they, I mean, they have survived so much up on the islands uh, for thousands of years, so going to a, countries like Australia doesn't seem to bother them at all. Mm. Of course, they, they need their bit of shade and good watering to survive that kind of climate, but they are very versatile. They, they, to, the, to the best of my, my knowledge, they don't seem to have any problems going there. So what are their personalities like then? And, and how do they differ from the miniature ponies, the miniature Shetland ponies that we now see? Yeah, I, I mean... Um, we have to get some uh, definite definitions uh, correctly. I mean, the, the Shetland ponies are in in metric. They are up to 107 centimeters. How many hands is that? Well, we don't measure them in hands. The Shetland ponies are measured in inches. To be honest, I'm not so good in inches, but they they will be 42, 43 inches. That's about the height. In some countries, we divide them in sections where we call them the mini and the medium and the standard size Shetland ponies. If you, and this is very confusing, but then you have somebody talking about miniature horses, mm. which is something completely different. Uh, could be some part Shetland pony in some cases, but um, but you are right. There has been a tendency because pe- people breed, of course, what, what they think is, is, um, is required for the market. And there has been a tendency to breed a lot of miniature Shetland ponies the last uh, quite few years, which I always think is a little bit, um, but that's of course my personal opinion. I, I believe it's 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 dangerous for any breed to that everybody runs in one direction. Now they all want them small, and they only breed small ponies selected by size. It's the same when people start breeding only selecting on color. Mm-hmm. You you run into trouble. In the Shetland breed, we know that from the historical records, they have they were originally bred for carrying weight they used them up in the islands to collect uh, peat and they they stacked it on the ponies and they were used to carry a lot of weight and to carry a grown-up horse rider that were the only mean of transportation until about 100 years ago up in shed lines if you didn't have a pony there were no roads there were no transport or anything you needed a shetland pony to move you around and your goods we also know from historical records they and and they were fairly tall ponies up to what we would call up to height. They they were not the very small ones, but the small ones always occurred from time to time. We know that there have been small Shetland ponies since we can as far away back we can we can trace them. So they have always been a little bit different sizes, different different types. What then happened was, of course, and the type we have nowadays is very much influenced that um, in because of a very big disaster in um, 1838, there was a mining disaster uh, where a lot of children got uh, killed in a mining accident. Oh, no. Yeah. And that was quite common in those days. And uh, this this disaster came to the attention of um, your good old Queen Victoria. <laughs> and and uh, and she was a active lady, and she demanded an inquiry to find out what what was the case here happening. And um, a few years later, in 1842, was uh, first one of the first uh, you can say laws uh, tuning and correcting uh, the working condition, especially for children, was imposed. And that was in um, 1842, the Miners Act, it's called. 
and it, it basically um, did not allow children under the age of 10 to work in the mines. Oh, good. So, yeah, that, that was a good beginning. And then they also some correction of women working there. They didn't like that. And, you know, so it, it was one of the first laws addressing this issue of child work. The owners of the mines, of course, suddenly had a big problem because uh, who was going to carry and push the the trolleys with the coal round down in the in the shed? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So... Um Somebody got the idea, oh, they have these small ponies up on the Shetland Islands. So <laughs> basically from around 1840-42, the export of Shetland ponies out of the island exploded. And so did the prices, which was very good for the crofters, of course. But um, they only exported male ponies, Shetland oh, ponies, really? to work in the mines in, in the UK and Scotland. And actually some went even as far as America, but that was not because of the law, of course. So... And although the crofters up there bred anything they could just to get some income, the uh, number of ponies uh, decreased rapidly over the next, uh, you know, few years. And, and, and it, it became actually a problem. If you have a gene pool of any animal, but in this case, of course, the ponies, and you take away all the best males for working and leave them out of, of to get a chance to breed, it will be uh, devastating for your quality of your animals. Mm. So that, although it was a financially good thing for the people up there to export a lot of ponies, for the quality of the pony, it, it was quite a big problem. And um, that was many years later addressed by um, Mr. and Mrs. Cox, which, who in the 1950s started uh, arranging um, what is called a stallion scheme, where the Scottish breeders start sending up some of their best stallions to stay for a season up in the Shetland Islands to, to reinforce some of the good genes and to sort out this um, disaster. But but for about a uh, hundred years, uh, the quality was really going down in, in the Shetland Islands. So they saved it then? They saved, they saved the quality of the breed? 
Yeah, of course. And I mean, uh, the, the Scottish people became, or the Shetland people became aware of this, and, and they uh, they worked very, very hard for the next 30, 40 years with this scheme, and um, which resulted in, of course, also because of uh, very, very many active breeders, uh, even today, up in Shetland Islands, that they now have uh, regained, uh, in my opinion, some of the best ponies in the world. They, they really, really have nice ponies up there. And um, it is because some visionary people saw that there was a problem and before it was too late they uh, addressed it mm. and uh, so you know all in all the the history of the ponies up in the Shetland Islands has been extremely dramatic but I, I always say anyone who likes these ponies should go up there it's like for a Muslim to go to Mecca you need to do that once in your lifetime and I and uh, and and to experience where, where they actually live and and even today I mean they are especially on the most northernly island of this group of islands shetland islands is you know about 100 islands and scaries and all that about 16 of these islands are inhabited by humans and the most northerly of these islands is is island called Ons. there's about 600 people and i don't know probably 2000 ponies but but there are quite a few shetland ponies up there <laughs> and um and they um they are really thriving in this natural environment and it's fascinating to see how how and to understand and appreciate where these ponies come from well by knowing their history and, yeah. and you and you explain it so well you're so passionate about it it's lovely to hear you realize that they can survive in any environment i mean to survive that long means yeah. that sometimes our human brains and how we're treating them now actually doesn't need that you know the rugging and the overfeeding and the I mean, they're fighters. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and it's, again, that we, we treat them as pets. To to put a rock on a Shetland pony, if it's not very old or, or not or not doing well, is, is mistreating. They, they, are, they need their basic things. They, they need little food. And most of them, 99% of all Shetland ponies are, are bees. They, they have too fat. <laughs> But they 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 try, thrive on 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 actually very little. But of course, it's it's a very delicate and fine line that they get enough to eat. But they need good hay or good grazing, not 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 too rich. And all this you will appreciate when you go up there because they 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 it's not huge lush green grass they live on. They, it is uh, heather and little bit of straw in there. And they 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 have survived on this diet for thousands of years. And um, yeah, it, it is fascinating, and we we should keep this in mind when we when we have our ponies that they are as close to nature as you'll probably get any breed of horse in modern times. So just going back to your explanation then of the miniature horses versus the Shetland ponies, if somebody comes up to you and says, "Oh, I'm I'm you know I'm selling a a, a Shetland pony, a miniature Shetland pony," pretty guaranteed that's not going to be of, of pure Shetland heritage. Oh yeah, it most likely will, and of course the the, the proof of the pudding is, of course, if it has a, a pedigree. I mean, I I encourage anyone to register and and get a pony with the proper papers and license and everything. And um, so, oh, absolutely. But I only say that at least in in I can only speak, of course, for Denmark. But we we have miniature horses in Denmark, people, and they most of them are Shetland ponies, probably without any papers, and then they have moved on and 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 produce this there are some beautiful miniature horses on and and but if you talk miniature shetland ponies they they, they are and should be within the breed standard and and they will have a pedigree like any other shetland pony oh 
Oh, good. So you can you can get them because, like you said earlier, there seems to be a big push towards these horses. They've been used these the, towards these ponies. They've been used a lot yeah. on adverts. It's a bit like the the miniature pig that was going yeah. out. You know, yeah. the people were. Yeah breeding yeah. those and they became they were being used as pets yeah. so yeah. If, if somebody was considering buying a shetland what advice would you give them well the best advice i can give them is to uh, to make up their mind what they are looking for and i mean they, <laughs> they, this is this is it sounds very simple but uh, we all tend to forget that sometimes i mean if you need a pony as a child's first pony please please go and get an old experienced one with a few bumps and uh, has been around a pony of you know 15 16 even older for a child if you want to buy a pony that you are planning to win a lot of shows in hand and whatever then you need a different type of pony but you have to make up your mind and stick to this and you if you are not experienced in buying a horse you need to to get some people to go go with you and and find and sort out the right ponies if you are going to buy a pony to breed from if that's your intention you you need to sort out what kind of what what type of pony you you would like to breed there there are many different what we call bloodlines and families and and you need to have made up your mind and and the best thing i can say is go go to see some of the many many shows there are where you can see ponies being presented and um Find out what you like. There are many, or oh, there are different types of Shetland ponies in size and, of course, color. And and uh, there are different types. And none of these types are more correct than the other ones. Hmm. One type being the little uh, miniature, which which or uh, the, the the minis. And um, and uh, so make up your mind what you want, and then stick to this. <laughs> and this this last comment stick to it is very very difficult because you very often get carried away when you see a beautiful little young foal and oh i need this and da 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 but um it all took it took all of us uh, quite a few years to find out what we really wanted and then um stay with this and um well in the uk we have uh, the shetland pony grand national which you oh, would have yeah. seen when you because you, you were at olympia weren't you launching oh, your yeah. book uh, I, I, I've known uh, the Shetland Pony Grand National for many, many years, and I've always <laughs> loved it. I've never been to Olympia. And then, long story short, I ended up uh, having the chance to present my book and launch it at the Olympia this year. So on the 13th of December, I was at Olympia and in the arena with all the Shetland ponies racing there. It was fantastic. <laughs> uh, it was the time of my life, I guarantee you. And then you felt uh, like you were in Disneyland, you are in heaven. (laughs) When I try to explain this to some of my friends in Denmark that doesn't know anything about horses in Olympia, Mm -hmm. I I try to say that it it is equivalent that a Dane has written a a book on tennis and then they ask from Wimbledon if you would like to come and present your book over there. (laughs) Uh, It was like going to to see the Pope, but it it was fantastic. And... um, yeah, I think it was the 110th year or something Olympia was on. I mean, it's a, it's a brilliant show and uh, the ponies are very, very popular. They raced twice a day there and, and raised a lot of money for uh, Bob Champion's uh, charity. I got to, to meet Mr. Champion several times and he was very kind and I gave, I, I donated some books for the children racing there. and oh, uh, it was, It's a fantastic time. Brilliant. There you really see what you can use the ponies for. I mean, they are racing flat out these ponies and they're Mm. really fast and um, to link that back to the book there are some 
very, very uh, serious uh, science being published, and I write that in, in one of my sections in the book, that it is likely dash possible that the modern thoroughbred racehorse have its speed gene from the Shetland pony. No way. That's amazing. Yes. And it, it, it's... Um, it's actually not so complicated, but, but the very, very short story is that we know, of course, the thoroughbred was founded by four foundation stallions and 73 mares. That is how the thoroughbred was, was made. They know all the genetics of the four stallions. They were imported from the Arab countries. The, the 73 mares that is the basic for, for the thoroughbred was mixed UK horses of any kind. Possibly mm. some Arab, and there could be some Clydesdale. I mean, any breed. So the, the scientists, and this is done in in Dublin. This study in in 2012. It's a very new study. They went back to all the native breeds of of UK horses to find out who had most to contribute with the the stamina gene and the rate, the speed gene. And um, very technical, but they can see that this speed gene entered the gene pool in at one time. And the horse breed in the UK that has most of this speed gene is the Shetland pony. Gosh, that's incredible. Of course, it's a nice story, but they, they, they say somehow it is absolutely possible that the thoroughbred got its speed from the Shetland pony. And I always <laughs> say, if you look at them racing mm-hmm. out of the field, compared to size, they will run, outrun any thoroughbred. They are really fast ponies. And look at them at Olympia. They, they are so quick we're so lucky because because most events in the uk the most of the big events uh, i'm thinking of badminton um, you, you get to see the pony grand national and and it's great to be able to promote the shetland pony that way and that they're fun you know as well as being a great loving caring animal their horse pony they're also they're also really good fun charles your knowledge of the breed is phenomenal and your overall knowledge of breeds do you know anything about the frisian not, not much. I must say, um, not much about the Frisian. I have, I have. I mean, I'm a horse nut, to be honest. And and I have, um, I've loved horses and spent time with horses every every single day since I was ten years of age. And um, I'm lucky to be married to a wife that is also a hot horse <laughs> nerd. And my late father-in-law was a horse nerd. He, my, my parents didn't have anything to do with horses. They were actually extremely allergic to horses. But my my late father-in-law was a, a horse veterinarian, so um, I inherited all his books when he passed away, and I've had a lot. So so I have collected many many books, and I've read anything I can on on almost any breed of horses. But but um, if if of course, my my heart is with the Shetland ponies. So. Yeah, of course, of course. And there isn't there isn't much uh, books written about these ponies. They they are they are yes, of course, not taking into consideration all the children's books, but but they are there were basically only a handful of serious books written. One in in 1913, uh, which is of course very old and not really much of it. It's a nice book, but you know it doesn't contain more than a two or three small old black and white pictures. Mm. Then there is um, a 1965 book by Morris Cox. Fantastic book. Again, very few pictures, little book, thin, you know, it's, it's, it was expensive to produce a book in those days. And there were in, the next one was in 1996, Valerie Russell. Mm-hmm. Fantastic books, a lot of details, very, very, very uh, 
heavy in details and all pedigrees of all ponies. A fantastic book. Again, very, very few black and white pictures. And there's a very nice little interesting book published in 2000 by um, uh, Margaret Hunter up in the Shetland Islands. She lives in Ons. Uh, I know her very well. And um, fantastic books on the written records of the Shetland ponies in the Shetlands. Oh, wow. So, but there has never been, you can say, the big chunky book with, I mean, modern layout, uh, lots of p- pictures. And I, and I, I um, yeah, so. You've made I, it. Do you know what you've made, Charles? You've made the Shetland Bible. Yeah, I, 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 I like to think that. Um, I mean, the, the other books are brilliant also, and I could never have done my book without these as, as references. And uh, mm. they, they are, of course, a part of, of, uh, of my research. But it is one of the most widespread breeds of any horses. Shetland ponies are, like we talked about earlier, they are all over the world. Everybody knows a Shetland pony. Even people who doesn't know anything on horses will always recognize a Shetland pony. Mm. And it has a fascinating story. And... Um, I have for years thought that somebody need to put this together in a more modern format. And I was very, very lucky. Um, I commissioned um, a German photographer called Christiane Slavik to go with me uh, up to the Shetland Islands. And we did that. Uh, her and her husband and I, we traveled uh, throughout all of the islands, or most parts anyway, in the summer of 2014 and taking, I mean, we came back with close to 5,000 pictures. Wow. I mean, that were edited and ready to go in a book. Yeah. And she had about uh, 6,000 already on Shetland ponies only. She's one of the best photographers in the world. And so only from her, I had about 11,000 pictures to pick from for, oh for the book. Oh, my goodness. Gosh. So that was, that was like letting a child loose in a candy shop. <laughs> so those pictures, the pictures that you didn't use, can you then go on and sell those other pictures that aren't in the book? No, no, but you can you can buy them from Christiane Slavik. Uh, mm. She has a, a fantastic um, webpage, and and she's a professional photographer. She has done this for many many years, and uh, and there are, she has many many nice Shetland pony pictures. But but I I, I pick some of the best for the book. <laughs> <laughs> How long did it take you to write the book, Charles? Well, I would say the 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 first little bit of writing, which was done, what was started four years ago kind of you know just trying out and what what i've never done a book before and um but it became really serious the last two years i would say writing of course in my spare time and um, trying to make it work and and i can only say it 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 was a fantastic experience to do it 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 was harder work than i had expected (laughs) and uh, and um, and the thing is of course compared to the other books i mentioned before um these people have spent Many, many, many hours in libraries and, and searching for material. Nowadays, with the internet, you, you you can find anything or more or less online. Also, a lot of historical documents. The thing is, also, you you find a lot of rubbish in between. So you you have to be very critical of what you use. Yeah. And you have to find out who's going to help you out because I'm not a historic professor or, or or I'm not a veterinarian. So. For instance, with the historical part, I, I got a huge amount of help from the Lerwick Museum up at the Shetland Islands. They, their cu- curator, uh, Jenny Murray, helped me out with, you know, reading through my script and um, giving me some notes. And because uh, mm. I, I really have tried to make it correct. And um, I also had the bit of fun that um, you know, I, I think my English is, is, is fairly decent. And I can. It's very good. And, and I, I, was, I, I did write the first chapter and sent and i have i've worked for many years ago i worked for one year in the united states and one year in the uk 
So um, I sent it to my old boss from the UK years back, and I said to him, you know, what do you think of my my first chapter? And, and he has no knowledge of horses whatsoever. And he came back some time later, a few days later, and said, well, I understand anything you have been writing, written, but um, it's not a British person that has written it. I mean, you you, you have this, and I thought, horrible. <laughs> well, what do I do? So, I, I, long story short, I found a, a proofreader a lady, um, Karen Holford, who helped me out. Um, and she was brilliant because I didn't feel she changed, and she had no knowledge of horses whatsoever either, mm. so I, I had to be careful if she changed things, but she did it in a very, very nice way. So, um, so now it's readable, the book. <laughs> Well, what's so lovely is your passion. You you feel your passion in it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yep. is really lovely in it, and it's 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 not a, a lecture book, which no, is no. nice. You know, it's a, this is this is how I feel. You're so passionate about it, and the pictures and and your style of writing is 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 a really fantastic book, and we're very grateful for it because I don't know enough. There are so many books out there and there's so much information on different horses and, and it's nice to have, I mean, like you said, 400 pages. It's nice to have one condensed book yeah. which which shows your love of the of the Shetland Pony as well as the historic, uh, the history of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the thing is, uh, of course, I've published this book myself. Have you gone through a publisher? You would never be allowed to do 400 pages in, mm. in big format on a Shetland Pony. They, they would think you were nuts. So, so they will cut you short. And um, of course, I, my book is, is, is that huge volume because I wanted the text and the information. And I have 80 pages on the management of, of Shetland Pony, how you keep them in, in good health. Wow. So, and of course, I had all the pictures. So you can say half of the book is, is text and half of the book is all the pictures. So then you end up having um, 400 pages. I could easily have done this book 600 pages, no problem whatsoever. <laughs> Or make a volume two if if if, if that was the, but but well, now no you 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 have to limit it at one time and um, and um, and I say oh if if people will have a bit more understanding and appreciation of these little ponies that most people just think are are little fluffy things mm. out there in the field somewhere and if they have a little bit more um, respect and knowledge and and um, have gained a few more fans then uh, I've accomplished what I set out to do. <laughs> well, you were very kind to us, Charles, and you actually, you, you gave us a, a book, a Shetland, you gave us one of your Shetland Pony books to yeah. give away on the Horse Hour Twitter as a competition. And lucky Nicola Fordham won the book. Yes, um, I know. <laughs> and also, if you head over to our website, horsehour.co.uk, pop in your email address, and Trolls has again been kind enough to provide us a whole extract and some information on how to look after the Shetland Pony, uh, on management, on feeding. Um, so, yeah, just head to horsehour.co.uk, and that will be going through to your inbox very soon. Trolls, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so much. What website do we need to head to if we'd like to buy your book? I have a webpage called uh, www.shetlandponybook.com. So uh, straightforward, shetlandponybook.com. And to see the pictures. I mean, the pictures will just be phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. And, and there you can view uh, on this page. You can read about the book and see some of the pictures. And um, yeah, so get you familiarized with, with what's, what it contains. It's, it's amazing. Thank you so much. You're yeah. also on Twitter as well, aren't you? How can we follow yeah. you? Shetland Book on Twitter and uh, and also on uh, on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, which is um, Shetland Book. 
Well, we'll definitely be following you. And next time you're in the UK, we must get together. Absolutely. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks so much, Charles. You take yeah. care. Yeah. Thank you. Same to you. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Next week, B&W Equine Vets are back, and this time they're talking about colic. Joe Southers joins us to explain colic, the signs and symptoms, and the treatment as well. So if you're worried about colic, if you've ever seen a horse have colic, or maybe you've heard the word but you're not sure what it's about, then Joe's going to explain all about it. You can catch up with previous episodes of the Horse Hour podcast on our website, horsehour.co.uk. And if you pop in your email address, then after each show, we send you some show notes, which are top tips and advice from the guests that we had that week, and also other information that maybe you might have missed. It could be a video of an event that we've been at, or interviews, great products, tips, advice, and competitions too. So well worth popping in your email. You can contact me anytime on Twitter. I'm at Amy Stevenson one Horse Hours at Horse Hour. And we're on Facebook and Instagram too. I hope you have a really good week and I'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to Horse Hour. Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern by using the hashtag Horse Hour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.